Measles, measles, it seems to be everywhere now, right? Isn't that ironic? In 2000, the U.S. declared rubiola, also known as measles, to be eradicated in the U.S. Of course, it's back. The ACOG has released a practice advisory for management of pregnant and reproductive-aged women during a measles outbreak. In this session, we'll cover that. Before we get into the specific and current dilemma of measles in the U.S., let's review a little bit about this viral episode. The incubation period for measles is 7 to 21 days, and an infected individual is contagious from 4 days before the rash until 4 days after after the appearance of the rash. So remember the number four for measles. However, remember that immunocompromised individuals may not actually develop a rash but still be infectious. Measles is transmitted via direct contact and is transmitted in close settings from person to person with respiratory droplets or airborne spread. The measles virus may remain airborne and infectious for up to two hours. Commonly reported complications include pneumonia, otitis media, and diarrhea. Encephalitis, hearing loss, and death are very rare complications. However, these occur more commonly in infants, young children, and immunocompromised individuals. Infants born during an active maternal measles infection are at risk for congenital measles, prior to the introduction of intravenous and intramuscular immunoglobulin therapy, that's IgIV and IgIM, congenital measles infection had high neonatal mortality rates, while most women have immunity to measles due to prior MMR vaccination. Given risks associated with measles in pregnancy, possible infection or exposure to measles should be carefully and expediently investigated. We'll cover that in just a moment. The United States is currently experiencing the greatest number of reported cases of measles, also known as rubiola, since the disease was declared eliminated in 2000. Outbreaks have been confirmed in 22 states and the number of cases and their distribution is increasing rapidly. These measles outbreaks have been linked to travelers bringing back cases of measles from other countries, and that's a CDC statement. This situation, combined with low vaccination coverage among certain communities in the U.S., leads to pockets of vulnerable communities and contributes to outbreaks like the one that we're experiencing now. Measles, remember, is highly contagious. An estimated 92 to 95 percent of individuals in a community must be immune to prevent ongoing transmission. Measles can cause serious illness and infects approximately 9 out of 10 susceptible individuals exposed in close contact settings. Anyone who is unvaccinated or is undervaccinated is at risk. Certain individuals, including unvaccinated and undervaccinated pregnant women, infants 12 months of age or younger, and severely immunocompromised persons are at greatest risk of severe illness and complications. The two-dose series of the MMR vaccine is safe and is 97% effective at preventing measles infection.
Now, what about measles during pregnancy? Well, measles infection in pregnant women is associated with several adverse events, including increased risk of hospitalization and pneumonia. Measles infection during pregnancy is also associated with significant risks to the developing fetus. Remember, that can include miscarriage, stillbirth, low birth weight, and there's an increased risk of preterm delivery. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The ACOG Practice Advisory divides the recommendations into different categories. The first is women considering pregnancy. This is followed by recommendations in pregnancy as well as the postpartum period. Lastly, there's a section about addressing vaccination with all patients. Let's cover the recommendations for women considering pregnancy first. Women of reproductive age and those contemplating pregnancy should assess their measles immune status with their primary health provider prior to pregnancy. And those who are deemed non-immune should receive the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination. After receiving the MMR vaccine, women should wait four weeks, one month, prior to attempting pregnancy given the theoretical risk to the fetus with live vaccination. However, and here's a clinical pearl, inadvertent MMR vaccination in the periconception period or in early pregnancy should not be considered an indication for termination of pregnancy. During pregnancy, one documented dose of MMR vaccine is sufficient for low-risk individuals, including pregnant women. But for women who are deemed high risk of contracting measles, a documented history of two prior MMR vaccines is needed to confirm immunity. However, it's a good reminder that all providers, including OBGYNs, should consult their local health departments when determining immunity from vaccination history, like the number of doses that may be necessary or the patient's overall state status as either low risk or high risk of contracting the illness. Now, in areas of ongoing outbreaks where there is sustained transmission in close-knit communities, serological testing for measles, IgG, can be considered in pregnant women without documented immunity to measles. Now, for pregnant women with suspected measles exposure but without prior immunity should receive intravenous immunoglobulin, that's Ig IV treatment, within six days of measles exposure. If serological testing and obtaining results are not available in a timely manner and measles exposure is suspected in a non-immune pregnant woman, the patient should receive measles immunoglobulin, that's Ig IV. While most women have immunity to measles due to prior MMR vaccination, given the risks associated with measles in pregnancy, possible infection or exposure to measles should be carefully and expediently investigated. OBGYNs should follow, of course, their local health department guidance for testing and treatment and for specific dosages as necessary.
As for postpartum recommendations, the ACOG recommends that MMR vaccine should be administered postpartum to women who lack evidence of measles immunity. Now, what about breastfeeding? Well, breastfeeding has not been shown to affect the immune response to MMR, and the MMR vaccine is considered safe in breastfeeding women and has not been shown to have adverse effects in neonates. ACOG recognizes that parental choice to opt out of infant and childhood vaccination allows population immunity to drop below the threshold level needed to stop outbreaks like measles. And this places vulnerable patients at high risk of infection, including pregnant women, infants 12 months of age and under, and immunocompromised individuals. During prenatal visits, ACOG recommends that we have this discussion and stress the importance of vaccination and especially of measles with all patients and encourage them to vaccinate their children. Most women start the decision-making process about vaccination for their children before or during pregnancy, and this is especially important for first-time parents who tend to be more vaccine-hesitant. A randomized control trial showed that prenatal or postnatal education of mothers on childhood vaccinations does result in higher infant immunization rates. Let's end the podcast by reviewing two quick algorithms for evaluation of measles risk around pregnancy. The first algorithm deals with possible measles exposure, and the second deals with symptoms concerning for measles infection. All right, the first algorithm deals with possible measles exposure. This is exposure to individuals with measles or travel to areas with local epidemics. The first thing to do is assess the person's measles immunity. Acceptable presumptive evidence of immunity to measles can be done if one of the following is true. First, there is documentation, not just verbal reporting, of vaccination with at least one dose of live measles virus containing vaccine. That's the MMR. Or secondly, there's laboratory evidence of immunity via measles-specific IgG antibody. Thirdly, we can assume measles immunity if there's laboratory confirmation of actual disease. And lastly, if the individual was born before 1957. If we can confirm or reliably assume that the exposed person has immunity, then no further action is needed, and we simply have to discuss warning signs and give them a follow-up plan. If the person cannot be assumed to have immunity, then we have to divide them between pregnant and non-pregnant. If they are not pregnant, then we can offer the exposed person post-exposure prophylaxis with MMR, ideally within 72 hours of exposure. If they are pregnant, then remember, we have to give them prophylaxis with IVIG within six days of exposure. The second algorithm has to do with patients presenting with symptoms concerning for measles infection. These can include fever, acute respiratory symptoms, malaise, cough, rhinitis, and conjunctivitis with or without rash. And remember to look for coplic spots. Well, the question is, does this patient with these symptoms have exposure to individuals with measles or have they traveled to areas with local epidemics? 
If these individuals have not been exposed to measles or come from endemic areas, then we should evaluate for other possible sources and treat accordingly. However, if the patient presenting with symptoms has been exposed locally to measles or comes from a local epidemic area, then we should alert local health departments immediately to give a specific disposition. Also remember to test for measles IgM and do an RNA test via PCR in serum, throat, and nasopharyngeal swabs. You can also check the urine for measles PCR. If the test is negative, then we can evaluate for other possible etiologies. But if the test is positive, then the algorithm divides to whether the patient is pregnant or not. If the tests of PCR or IgM are positive for measles and the patient is pregnant, of course, close monitoring is recommended. Precautions should be taken in terms of airborne and standard evaluation of pulmonary status should occur. It's also important to consider consulting an infectious disease specialist with a patient actively infected with measles. Lastly, remember that when measles occurs during pregnancy, maternal and fetal morbidity are increased. Particularly, pregnant women are at higher risk of severe respiratory distress, and that can even cause death. Measles virus can be detected in the placenta. Placental infection appears to be involved in some cases of stillbirth. Remember that for rubeola, which is measles, the virus is not responsible for congenital defects, but can induce histological damage inside the placenta, and that's likely the pathophysiology behind stillbirth. Major perinatal risks are also miscarriage in prematurity. Lastly, when measles occurs in late pregnancy, congenital infection is possible with variable expression, but there is a risk of subacute sclerosing panencephalitis. And that's why we should promote the safety and efficacy of vaccines. In this session, we have covered the ACOG April 2019 practice alert regarding the management of pregnant and reproductive age women in time of a measles outbreak. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.